What's up, Sweet Rose? Funny to see you here. Hi. Welcome to another episode of Terribly Funny. I'm your host, Steve Bazalone. This, of course, is the podcast where I talk to funny people, you know, about terrible things. Uh, and today we have a very funny and delightful guest. Her name is Megan Nuringer. Uh, Megan is a new friend of mine. Uh, I've only known her for the last year or so, but man, I like her. And I think you will too. Um, what can I tell you about Megan? Well, she, let's see, her, her Twitter bio says that she's a writer, actor, comedian with explosive taste and exquisite diarrhea. And I feel that pretty much sums it up. Um, but where have you seen Miss Nuringer? She's a, she's a fantastic uh, UCB performer. She's also been on Curl Show a bunch, uh, she, Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, most recently, she worked on Portlandia. She's just an all-around great gal, super talented, um, and also has, has great uh, frames, you know, eyeglass frames. I really like them. That's just me. That's subjective. Maybe you don't like them, but I think they're great. Anyways, um, today I, I think it's a great, a really great episode. Uh, Miss Nuringer is going to talk to us about, um, shit, what it's like to lose a sibling. Uh, I'm not going to say much more than that. Let's, let's just get into it, shall we? Here we go, guys. I hope you enjoy a new episode of Terrible Fun. And we put each other into the deep end, but there is only one. Um, yeah, I don't care for them much. But I started, just started doing this because uh, I wanted to do something outside of my job. Because they've been at a hobby forever. Yeah. I actually, I found that that's been more true being in L.A. than it was in New York for me. That I've just right. become less and less. Or maybe that's age. Maybe. I've just become less and less like, I do this and I do this. And, and now I'm just like... I have my job and then I watch I don't even watch TV I watch, I watch what other people watch on TV if I go to their house and they're right. watching TV see I watch TV what I don't do anymore which is a real bummer it goes in ebbs and flows but I don't read much anymore me either I read fucking sucks the internet I read the internet which is not reading no it does not count and I read magazines occasionally that's not reading no yes that does count it's still on a page it's I'm talking, print I'm talking like <laughs> Cosmo no I'm talking like Entertainment Weekly and like uh, I would still written by sometimes. <laughs> I, I would still say oh, yeah, the free one. Yeah, the free one. <laughs> That's a good magazine. It's okay. They've, they've had some like useful interviews. Sure, but like I'm not talking like the Atlantic or the New Yorker. It's like not anything that's like really expounds your mind. I read the Atlantic online through Twitter. Oh, well, I read see, the New Yorker online through so Twitter. Doing fine. I don't even look at Twitter anymore. Yeah, it's too much noise for me. I stopped, and also like I got, I felt like I was in a place where I was like just constantly seeking validation, and then I was like, this yes. feels awful. I'm stressed out about these dumb jokes yeah no I, I feel <clears throat> I'm hitting that too where I'm mm -hmm. just like and maybe this is also age it's like I feel like everybody's muting me in all different aspects of my life not just Twitter I'm like sure. I've just been on mute like, in actual I'm life. socially muted mm. I'm like I, I'm just like I've been muted like which is like a, just a nice way of being like we're just we're you're estranged but we didn't tell you oh that's nice <laughs> we're, so like, you find out after the fact yeah like I, that's not actually happening. It's uh -huh. just this sort of weird feeling of being like, huh, like nobody's like, my social calendar isn't filled. Yeah. Like, and it, stuff isn't just getting like mad. It's just sort of like, huh. Well, do you think that is a byproduct of getting older or also being in a relationship? Uh, or other people getting older? Because like I, my calendar is a lot open. I think that's mostly because all of my peers have like partnered off and a yeah. lot of them have like little humans that they have to take care of I would say that is true you definitely get socially lazy when you're just like I'm with somebody but yeah. I'm doing nothing because it's something you always have something to do kind of which is nothing yeah but you don't have to feel shame about doing nope. nothing because there's like you're doing it somebody else yeah, you're yeah. complicit 
so it feels active. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, well... Uh, or are you just becoming a less likable person? You know what I fear? <laughs> it's just like, it, what you start to... You do fear, you're like, my observations aren't relevant. Like, mm. they're not... They're just... They're not, like, catchy. They're not as, as snazzy as they once were? Maybe not. Yeah. Also, too, in becoming, like, a healthier person, like, emotionally oh, sure. healthy... There's, uh, I, some stuff that like would be humorous because maybe it had like a biting wit or was snarky. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't feel that way. It just feels kind of negative. Yeah. And maybe it was, maybe like that edge was funny. Like that sharpness was funny. But now I'm like, I don't want to be sharp. I don't want to be an <laughs> asshole anymore. Yeah. So the observations are like. Yeah. I think everybody's getting, getting to that place though. I mean, like just like the trend in, I think in like humor in general like that right. kind of snark is kind of like earnestness is like cool a little bit more I don't think earnestness will ever be cool for me but, personally but more so <laughs> than it was sure it's yes. more like it's it's. It, I think it's like greeted by a more generous um, audience like cool yeah. yeah but I it still won't make me laugh Oh no Ernest no no! This will never make me laugh. No, but I think it's it's more it's more celebrated as opposed as opposed to like <laughs> lame. Like I think it's more like good right. for you for being earnest. I'm not laughing at this, but know, thumbs but, up. Ugh. Yeah. Now the internet is everybody's mommy being like, oh, "Good sure. job, you placed." Yeah. No, just kidding. No, you're not so far <laughs> off. Right? Yeah. I Which don't. I guess is, but it's a little overcorrecting for like everybody else being like, "Hey, hey, you're a fag for no reason." I just right. said I like strawberries. Yeah. No, it's sometimes I'm like. Would being called a fag just make me funny? Like, I almost want to go to, like, some kind of, like, emotional gym where, like, I am being called a fag. Sure. So I can get, like, rough edges again yeah, and be yeah. like, I have something to fight against. Right. Um, and, that you know, but then I think, no, the weapon that would be used against me as a woman would be age and irrelevance sure. or, like, lack of a child. And when I think about that being used as a weapon, it doesn't feel right. I'm like, no, you don't. That's abusive and yeah. it feels terrible. So, no, I don't I don't wish for that. Yeah, don't call good. me faggot. <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to. No, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I, uh, this was a question. I'm gonna, we're going to get into the real poop in a right. second here. Right, okay. But because we're talking about uh, uh, aging on things, have you ever had the experience where, like, you go back and read something you've written, like, 12 years ago? And then you're like... When I was 12. Yeah, exactly. When you were 14. Come on. Uh, and, when you, and you look at it and you're like, oh no. I don't, I don't think I'm as good as I was. You think you're worse now? I don't, but like sometimes I go back and look and I oh. expect, like, this is going to be terrible. And then I realize, like, oh, this is really, there's something... I definitely... Have I, have I been dumped, dulled down? Well, I would say I thought I was so much worse than I was mm-hmm. to a degree that there's times where I read things that I was working on and abandoned... This has been kind of devastating. Is and it was really good. Yeah. And I thought it was such garbage that I never worked on it. Yeah. I lost momentum for it. It's kind of the story of my whole creative life. Didn't have the confidence to think it was good. Only felt shame about it, and then was like, forget it. And then nothing ever moved forward. Yeah. And now, I feel like there's a way in which I'm like, I do feel like I'm really good at certain things, but then I'm like, you're not as good as you could be because you're just sort of. I don't know. Yeah. What? I mean. Well, it's easy. I think that's like the hardest 
thing is we, we're, I mean, not anything groundbreaking, but we're all our own worst enemies, right? And there's so many times where, like, I stop because, like, the execution isn't as good as I want it to be. Well, you know? there is a teenager who is my neighbor who is my worst enemy, who I look, just kidding. <laughs> no, I That's am my good. own worst That's enemy. Good. No, I do have one worst enemy. It's my neighbor. He's a teen boy. <laughs> That's no. cool. No. Like, he always makes me feel worse than I make myself feel. Just kidding. That's fair, but I would like to see him. I'd like to see what this guy's got. I just invented myself an enemy, and it's a team. <laughs> it's a bully of a neighbor. That's that's who lives inside you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. It's truly a teen boy. Just like, what are you doing with your life? You call that a joke. Yeah, come on. Get out of here. That's not even a meme. I'm 14, and I know that's, that's dumb. That's not even me. That's no crying Jordan. Yeah. What is crying Jordan? You don't know the crying Jordan meme? It's oh like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, I didn't know it was called the Crying Jordan. Well, I don't know if it is, but I've just seen it everywhere. Yeah, no, no, I don't I know, know much about memes. That's what I know. Um, so tell me some um, terrible stuff, I guess. So, like, uh, so how does, is that the structure of your podcast? There's not much structure, really. It's um, just, yeah, it's basically just, you know, it, it can be whatever you want or whatever you're comfortable with. What, like, what's been the best worst you've heard? What do I have to beat? I'm very competitive. Are you very just competitive? Kidding. Oh, <laughs> boy. Uh, no, there's... I'm going to win. No, just kidding. You're already the winning. Worst. You're already no, I'm winning. Totally, I'm kidding. But mine's pretty sensationally bad, so that's why I also... That's good. I know, but it makes me feel extreme anxiety to talk about it because it sounds like a lie. Like, there's been... T- like, it's also just, like, sad and, and terrible, and I feel very protective of it. As you should. It's and then life. also, like, there's something so sensational about it that I'm like, I don't even want to... I don't have... I don't have... This is like the fucking writer who's mm-hmm. like, I don't have the angle. It's if I just say it like it is, it has it has. Um, I don't. It's like a. It's like um, I took a class on. This is really. I can't believe I'm talking. So I took a class in college about. It was called Thinking the Unthinkable, and it was all about writing that had happened after the atomic bombs were detonated, oh, and it wow. was all about literature and. Uh, historical fiction and actual writing and books that had come out after people witnessed nuclear annihilation and the capacity for nuclear annihilation and all this literature that had come out and a new way of talking about now that you've seen the worst thing ever how do you talk about it and the whole class was just like how do you write what's the rhetoric for now this you know you know and um, like that like classic book Hiroshima or whatever we just uh, studied all that and I remember uh, really liking that class a lot because I was like this is how it feels to talk about your own trauma right like it's your I don't trauma. have the words like right. I don't have a class that I took to figure out how to talk about it so I rather just not talk about it right and I've done it more and more like I um, I do talk about it a little bit the most I ever have with just still like amazing discomfort yeah. But I'm like, what would my therapist want me to well, do? Well, do you think do you think the discomfort comes from the fact that you are so safeguarded of it or is it just because like you it's hard to articulate because it's all the inner critic, really. It's right. like I don't like the way that story was told. I want to edit it. I want to mm. edit it. I I think there's a I think there's a a a polish I could do on it in the way that I discuss it because all of it feels wrong. Like right. the way um I don't want to. I don't want my voice to sound callous when I say it. I don't want to sound sad when I say it. I don't want right. people to feel. I can't control my audience's reaction to it, and because I can't, I feel terror. Hmm. Like which is all writing or all. Yeah. But um, I 
and because I can't give it a different new nuance, like I can't make it, I can't make that joke crack. Like after, I can't. It's out there. I write like I or like I could perform a joke in stand up, and I'm like, oh, I I have a fix for it. I know how to make it funnier. Right. I, I have a better tag. I can. I don't get to do that with the story. It's just the story is what it is. It's and it's not a story. It's a fact. Yeah. It's just a thing, and I can't. So like, really, I think I'm like terrified of talking about it because I'm like, it's not. It's not the way I want it. But isn't that kind of like how storytelling works? Like the more you do it, like it's it is like stand up. Like I, there's so, certain stories that I can tell like with my hands behind my back storytelling wise because like I, they're just like ingrained in me it's muscle memory yes the other uh, mm-hmm. and to and to respond to that is this is not a commodity I don't want to commodify it I think that's important so like when you do stand up or when you're performing or you're entertaining or you're writing something there's there is a con- and you show it to an audience you're instantly commodifying it you've now right. created content yeah and it is a thing for people to have now and it's not your. and I'm not trying to be like um uh, what's the word? He screw a Scrooge about it. I'm not mm-hmm. like mine. I'm just very protective. I'm like, I, it's not, it's not a story. Well, it's your life, right? Yeah, it's not. Th- it's think, not my content, right? I think that's interesting. I, that's a thing that I've like as much as I've enjoyed doing this, and as much as like, it's heartening to like get feedback from people I don't know, like in other countries, to say like this really helped me out and made me feel less alone. And it's really hard. It's really it's wonderful to do that, but it also feels like. A little bit like, am I turning like this into a commodity? Even though like I just want to like have an earnest experience and like talk to people that are either friends or acquaintances in a way that you never get to, mm-hmm. and I think that's really fulfilling. But there's this part of me that's like, is this? Is there something gross about this? That's what I. I think there's something. Privacy is so. Um, it's it's like such a pure thing, and now I think it's a. I think it's a very valuable thing because right. everybody's sharing. Like everything is a live journal. Like, and I participate in it. I have sure. an Instagram. Yeah, like an I have a Twitter. <laughs> like, there's things I I am willing to share, but I do feel like I can never get away from like every time I do share something personal, I'm like, that was fucking gross. Yeah. Um, you should stay private. You should like privacy is the last thing that you have. Yeah. But I'm also like, to your point, like. Maybe it helps people. Maybe yeah. that's maybe. Can a podcast help anybody? I do, don't do can anything podcasts happen? heal. No, okay. that should be that's the that's your podcast. <laughs> no. I'm just Sounds like terrible. I have like vomit in the back of my throat saying any of that. Even yeah, just no, like, I get it. Um, hot vomit. Just kidding. <laughs> but I'm just very nervous. I'm I'm actually sweating. Like I see the recorder. I'm like, uh-huh. this is. Already, like, I will spend the whole oh, podcast not talking about I've had flop sweats just uh, while doing this. I've had flop sweats whenever, like, I talk about things about myself. Like, it's right. also easier for me to, like, I always, like, interject shit about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the I, I've never had to do it. It's never been me just talking. Well, I was going to ask you, like, what made you want to do this podcast? Uh, because I had, like, a, I don't know, a rather tumultuous decade uh, where I was, like, sick for a long time. Um... And in that period, like, I was sick for, on and off for a decade, and that culminated with, like, me having my colon removed, like, five years ago. Oh, my God. So I was in the hospital for a long time, and shortly thereafter, got healthy, um, my then-wife, like, started to realize that maybe she was gay, and that was, like, a year-long struggle to figure that out, and while that was happening, my grandmother died, and then my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and then she died, and all like in the content, all like in a very short period of time. So just like this deluge of stuff. Yeah. And it's like, 
I mean, it's all bad stuff, but it's all things that we're people are going to go through. Mine just was like probably a little bit younger and in a very compacted period. Yeah, of time. that's like a density of trauma. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I don't think I don't think that I've like gone through other things that other people won't go through. It's just mine was very compacted. Yes. Um, and I don't know. I just felt like um, in the periods when people would reach out to me and talk to just friends and things that would be like, like, hey, I had this experience and I had this experience and it's always like, I was always learning things about people that I didn't know, mm-hmm. like people that are very close to you and because they're not pleasant things to talk about, they're not things that you talk about in like 15 minute increments at a party when you're a little bit drunk. Oh like me, I just lead with like, here's my sad story, just kidding. Oh, that's nice. That's <laughs> here's good. my sad story, let's kiss. No, yeah, <laughs> I think we've got to the heart of like why you're not getting invited to things. <laughs> hey, it's me Megan, I yeah. just showed up wasted. I showed up wasted. <laughs> There's tears in my eyes, I'm, put your tongue I'm, in my I'm mouth. I'm crying and I want to make out. <laughs> yeah, that's a good look for everybody. I've never done that, but wow, no, I could have avoided some lonely nights if I had just tried. Oh, for sure. There are people who would not be opposed to it. Hi. Hello. <laughs> No, no, that's Ben. It, this Hi, is ben. his house. How you doing, man? Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. Like yeah. your frame, sir. Hi. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> he whispered in my ear and he said, stop saying just kidding. It's a good note. Sure. See, that's a loving man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that to me. Oh, uh, <laughs> he nailed it. Um, so that's why I did this. I think. And also just because I wanted to have something that was personal, because I felt like I was having a lot of things that were not mm-hmm. mine. Have ownership that something that was like, I wasn't looking, this is not an end game. I'm not like trying to build a career out of this. This is, you know, I guess it's like in, it's entertainment so adjacent. So this but is going to be the thing that hits. You know it know, is. This know, is going to be the crossed. thing, right? I, really I mean, your age is so. probably like, it's always a thing that yeah. you weren't trying to make the money. <laughs> so that's where, that's where this came from. Cool. Well, well you, I mean... Your story is, see, oh, your story. Well, the, the things is, that though, happened to you. Story. It was funny because while you were saying it, I was like, and you you said, you know, it's it's all terrible. That was all terrible. And then I'm sort of, even as I listen, I'm like, well, at the time, your wife discovering that she's gay and mm-hmm. the end of that relationship is terrible. But is it terrible now? No, I mean, I think none of this, none of the and things like are getting, terrible. And now. like being unhealthy is terrible. Mm-hmm. But now that you're well, it's not terrible anymore. Exactly. So, like, it is interesting that the things, I mean, not to have, like, some moral at the end of it, but uh, I love a moral. But even, like, the bad, uh, I would say, I'd say mine feels like it will always be terrible. Right. I'll never come from around to being like, you know what, I guess it's okay. It made me who I am. Hmm. Okay, so my twin sister was hit by a car. Um, in front of me oh my. when we were nine years old oh walking from school to after school Hebrew school and um, she was whisked off to the hospital spent a week in a coma I was not allowed to see her and then she died and like that's I my twin sister died and was hit by a car and right. I lost my twin and then after that, I pretty much, the way I've constructed the narrative in my story is I lost my parents. Because right. if you're a parent and lose a child, it's like curtains for ever feeling okay again, I think. I think right. that loss is just, you can't recover truly. 
and I, in my case, um, part of the reason that we lost my sister is because my parents were already sort of gone previous. Right. It was sort of, um, they had such a, a, a very struggling marriage, a very difficult relationship. And, um, well, the morning of her accident, they had gotten in a fight over who would pick us up after school over the cars. Sure. And then nobody picked us up after school because of this argument over which car somebody would drive because my mom had a, had a bad back and she didn't want to drive the car that didn't have the lumbar support. Sure. So, and then uh, this whole argument, and so we walked. Um, I mean, there's so much around the accident. There's right. so much, like... And then I didn't go to therapy for it. My mom wanted me to go to therapy because we ended up suing the town because... The, there was negligence, why, how it happened. There was no crosswalk. Right. Uh, the, there hadn't been a speed sign. It was in a school zone. But um, I didn't want to go to a, a, see a psychiatrist or psychologist. I didn't know she was really suing the town. Like, I didn't understand legal things. And you I didn't know... Lying. Right. And I didn't know what the... Like, what it would mean... And I didn't want to talk to a stranger. I was sent to see this older woman in front of my parents to talk about how I felt about it. And I didn't trust anybody, and I didn't want to talk to anyone. So my dad said, you know, if this is upsetting to Megan, she doesn't have to go. So then we couldn't prove that I had endured any kind of suffering. So the suit was not... Why is that something you have to prove? Isn't that... A psychiatrist would say, yes, she has trauma from this. But because I didn't go see the psychiatrist... Isn't that implicit? That there's trauma <laughs> well, over losing a... I, it, not in a court of law. That's bonkers. But it, it didn't matter to me. It was, a measure, it was a question of, would I have been set for life over this lawsuit against a town, or did we get $10,000? Right. And we got $10,000, uh, which my mom kind of never let me forget, that if I'd only seen a therapist, I oh, would have been never had to work again as if I didn't ever want to work or something. It's just so really... Yeah. So then I didn't go to therapy for it until I was 25. I didn't go see somebody about this until I was an adult. Did it... Was it something that was always in the back of your mind or were you afraid of opening that box as it were? I felt like... I felt like if I dealt with it or started crying about it, I would never stop crying and you'd like... I'd live in like a padded cell. I think, like, still, like, I feel like if I, like, open it up too much, like, it's already, I already feel like I have days where, like, I'm in bed sometimes, and Mm -hmm. I'm just in bed, and I, you know, like, I'm tired, or I'm sad, and, you know what's funny? I was thinking, because I was thinking about this, it's not funny, I don't know why I said that, um, nervous tick, but when I was, I was so nervous about talking to you about it, and... I was thinking, it's sort of like describing a disability. Sure. But it's not, because I don't want to say, like, I don't want to um, insult people who are living with physical disability. Um, but, and it's not necessarily mental illness, but, like, grief makes you feel like you're disabled. Because 100%. you have to, like, go around and be a normal person. But, like, I can't climb those emotional steps. Like, I need, I need a ramp. Like, I need a ramp some days right. of just people being not difficult to me. Or of just, I need a ramp where I can say, like, can I just 
be exhausted and sad today for no reason. But you can't really. Like, there's... I think about the Holocaust all the time because I'm like... Some days I'm like, I definitely could have survived. Like, mm-hmm. I, I would be so tough. Like, I'm so tough. Like, when I've been there, I'm so tough. Like, I'm still here. Like, And then other days I'm like, oh, no way. The yeah. suffering and the pain and the loss and the trauma and, like, the dehumanization. Like... I would have I would have been gone in like the first week with that like I, I sometimes I'm just like I don't know yeah like, well I think that's interesting about just like human spirit in general like there's times not to equate to, to yours but when I was sick where like I felt like I was like uh, you know 92 pounds and like could feel the life draining from me and feeling mm-hmm. like I'm so fragile and we are all so fragile and just so teetering close to the edge at all times. Yeah. And there's other times where I was like in the same physical, you know, uh, uh, state of deterioration, but I felt like I'm the strongest motherfucker alive. It, it's really like, it's kind of two sides of the same coin because sure. the only way that you get to feel really strong is by like acknowledging how bad, how badly sometimes you don't want to be here or feel like you physically can't be here and then you're like well I am I have no choice in that I just no some days I don't know if you've ever suffered from depression but some days you could feel like I do have a choice I actually don't have to be here and I'm in such pain and I'm so sad and the depression is working itself to make me feel like the better option is to not suffer right and you and I feel like the reason like you end up feeling strong is because you're like but I'm going to because tomorrow I probably will feel better. Or my strength is I hope tomorrow I feel better. And I'm and I, and I say this as someone who's who's gone in and out of depression and my therapist would say you're not really a chronically depressed person. You have you have moments. And now that I've recognized them, like I can see when I, I call it like when I'm in the, having the blues, like now I'm familiar enough with it that I'm like I'm having the blues, like but I know tomorrow I'll feel better. I know. And if it's not tomorrow, like, I know the next day. Right. And then it's like, drink a glass of water. Yeah. Go outside, take a walk. Like, take a shower. I don't know. Well, that's come from years of experience, right? They just have the foresight to know, like, oh, I've been here before. Yeah. And I will probably, I've come out of that, and I will probably do the same thing. Well, also, so many wonderful, funny, silly, great things have happened to me since my sister died that I'm really curious about what other funny, silly, wonderful things could happen, like really just hilarious, dumb things. Like, I'm curious. I think that my curiosity is like, I will get to be an old lady if like health and luck permits because of that curiosity. Like, I'm just like, well, what other dumb shit's going to happen that's hilarious? And... As I say that, I also am terrified that another terrible thing will happen to me to break my heart. Well, sure. But I think what you just said there is just like, that's like, in essence, that's like the mission statement of life. I know. Because <laughs> it's like, it's oh, there's a lot of terrible things that are going to happen, but it's just like that little bit of curiosity. But I want to see, I want to see another, this is the poetic cheesy way, but like, I want to see another fucking sunrise. I want to see like another fart joke. I want to see. Yeah. It's like more fart jokes. It's more like. I want to see the oh next season of Sherlock. I want to see like, I don't know, like a cool guy fall down accidentally yeah. and try to like recover and, but he's not actually hurt. But anybody falling down and they're not actually hurt. I just. Oh man. Let me just get a sizzle reel of that. And, and <laughs> I am good. Yeah. Um, so you were 25. And you started to go into therapy. Yeah. What made you at that point 
going to therapy, mm-hmm. I was so angry and critical huh. of just everything. I just was like irritable and angry and critical and I cheated on my boyfriend who I lived with um, who was very nice to me and I wasn't um, mature enough or ready for a relationship where I was going to get engaged and get married and sure. I think he was heading there. Twenty five. But I saw this like act of destruction where I like A, ended the relationship but ended it, ended it in a destructive way that you know and ended up ended up getting into this other relationship that was very bad for my self esteem, um, and I was like, I, "That's not really." I, it was alarming to me. Hmm. I didn't feel like on brand <laughs> to sure. do something like that and, and to feel so negative about stuff and so critical. So I was like, "I just want to go talk to somebody because I am alarmed at doing something so that, that violates like how I want to treat other people and I'm alarmed that um, I'm so angry right. and I don't feel connecting like I'm connecting to people it's a really disheartening thing when you find at least when I've been in places where I find like why do I feel such anger and like what you were talking about uh, earlier that you didn't want to have like the certain level of cutting or biting to your your humor or mm-hmm. just your personality and when that's there it's like this doesn't feel like me this feels like a poisoned version of me. It was like it was like a survival version, and it yeah. was like a good coping version, and it got laughs, and I and I felt it made me feel like strong and like weathered and like ooh, there's like a nice oh, horrible, there's like a nice crusty bark, mm-hmm. <laughs> you sure. know, you're like callous, yeah, but yeah. like I don't know, it just I, I just felt very alienated from everybody. Mm. Um, um, and I still do, but now it's on my terms. No. Well, that's nice. <laughs> um, You've grown so much. Uh, no, I, I mean, so then, like, I had to like grieve my sister as a grown up, and I had been. I, I really had been. I just, I, it, I wasn't doing it like consciously. You know, I would. I also, what I discovered, my mom passed away three and a half years ago, mm-hmm. and she died of cancer and, and was sick, and. Um, after she died, I had all these new revelations that so much of my grief and bad childhood was not just losing my sister, but was like my relationship with my mom. Like, sure. And it's very, uh, I, I'm very protective of that. Like, I don't really like to, t- I'm protective about, um, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure many of our listeners have. I'm sure there's many people who have difficult relationships with a parent or have a parent who has a mental illness. Um, but it's not something that was really discussed or talked about in my family. Hmm. Um, or there was no word for it and there was no... It was just my mom was very scary. Right. And... Um, After she died, I just, I had all these, like, epiphanies that, oh, wow, so much of my, uh, so many of my troubles, you know, I have, like, these air quotes around me, so many of my troubles were just my relationship with my mom and, and, and sort of, like, we lost a child because of, of my mom's, you know, inability to be healthy. Right. In a lot of, so we, you know, that my sister was sort of like collateral damage to 
Um, and I remember telling my brothers, I was like, well, we lost Sybil because, you know, mom didn't go, mom didn't become like hysterical because after Sybil died. Sybil died because mom was hysterical. And they really hadn't thought of it that way, but I, I sort of, that's how now, that's, I'm like, that's how I frame the story in my head now. I'm like, yeah, that, and that's been like a terror for me. I don't have children and I'm, you know, I'm still pretty ambivalent. Like, I think I really want kids, but I like mm-hmm. want them when I'm 60, 70, 80. Yeah, it's a great time for kids. <laughs> like, but I don't, I'm not, I don't crave them right now. But I'm scared to never have them, but I'm scared to have them because I don't want to be a bad mom. I already have, I like, I don't want to hurt my children or make them feel bad or, um. I think that fear unto itself ensures that you won't be. That's not true. Well, I think it means. I, you don't understand. You're right. But I think it means that you (laughs) just care enough and that you're cognizant enough. Like it's going to be sloppy and messy. Yeah. Just like everything. But like you. You want that so much that you, I think, I don't know. Yeah, but my mom didn't want to be out of control or mean or verbally abusive or, and didn't have the tools to, like, it's sort of like, but at times really was, like, you know, very, you know, my therapist calls it bad mom, a bad mom, mean mom, mean mom, and, uh, I don't know, like, I've had, you know, I've had enough romantic relationships where I was reenacting my bad mom, mean mom dynamic at times, mm-hmm. where I could feel that, like, just all her, like, gut reactions to, like, fear of abandonment and all her, like, just that sort of out-of-control, irrational behavior. Like, I, de- I definitely, there were times where I, like, could see myself doing that. I was doing it. And so then, like, since she died, I've been working really hard on that. Sure. And gotten a, a lot better, because now I'm like, oh, that's what the, that's what that is. And, you know. Um, but it's, yeah, I don't know. I, sometimes I'm like, maybe you won't have kids, and it'll just, that'll be done. Like, you won't ever have to worry about it. Yeah. And you won't ever, and Megan, you won't ever have to worry about losing a child. Because that's my other fear. Is if I, I'm scared that I will destroy my child... And never let them out of my sight and either be like so worried that something terrible is going to happen to them because of what happened to my sister that I will just like fucking keep them like, they'll just be like an underdeveloped like mushroom with like moss growing around them. Or I'm going to be so scared of something happening, but I'll know that I can't let go. Like I have to let them live their lives, but then I'll just be anxious and hysterical. Like there's a way in which I'm like, it's a trap. Like, you can't, I yeah. sort of like, I, I, I can't have kids because I'm going to be terrible. Because losing a kid, I don't know. Like, I don't know if all the bad stuff that's ever going to happen to me has already happened and now the rest of my life gets to be like a dream. I doubt it. Right? Like, I'm sort of like, wouldn't that be fair? Like, okay, great. I already had my suffering. Yeah, I had your stuff. Now I'm good till like I'm 75. Right? Can't I now, can it be like great? Like, does it, can it balance out? And then I'm like, and I think about that, and I'm like, that would be, that's like the ratio I want. I'm like, okay, like, let me make a bargain with, like, I don't know, the universe. But you can't, because I haven't even suffered that badly compared to, like, most of the world. Oh, for sure. These are all, like, very, you know, first world country. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, I lost my twin. Oh, my. But it's like, people lose entire families. People yeah. are like, there's, like, little girls who are, like, sex slaves. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, I am lucky. Oh, we are the most lucky. 
Yeah. Yeah. And also, even in this first world, like just describing my tragedy, I'm also really careful because I'm like, something bad didn't happen to you, Megan. It happened to Sybil. Yeah, but that, but that's so, not fair to. I mean, you're no, you're mourning. That's that's a real thing. I that's mean, fine, but fine. But I get to be here. So the bad sure. thing didn't even happen to me. It happened to my sister. Like, I was lucky. I'm alive. Like she got her life stolen. She didn't get to do any of this. I agree with that implicitly, but also like to your point, what you said a little while ago, like uh, equating like uh, um, mourning or um, depression to like a physical disability. Like, that is still something that is inside of you. That's still something that you struggle with. It's not yeah, you marginalize cares? that experience. But, like, I'm... No, well, you but, do. Like, you care. But, but, but I'm like, wow, what a, what a, like, privilege to get to struggle. Oh, 100%. You know? Everything like, is a like, fucking privilege. And I will admit to your fucking listeners that... Uh, that does not mean that I'm like grateful even to say what a privilege is to struggle like that whole gratitude thing like I don't know if I feel gratitude enough like I don't like that's the one thing I'm like what is this thing like I have friends who are in like 12 step programs and they work different steps and I can't tell you their names because that's how the programs work they're anonymous but I, I remember talking to some of them about it and sometimes they struggle with a particular step like when am I gonna feel that thing like when am I gonna get over that right or one friend was talking about, because I asked about it, I was like, well, what is this, like, higher power thing? Like, how do you find it? Like, what do you know is your higher power? And how do you find it? And how do you, like, agree to it? Like, how do you believe in it? And one friend was like, well, that's the one, like, I struggle with the most. Like, I, it took me so long to figure out my higher power, and so I couldn't get through these steps because I didn't have it. And sometimes, like, that's, like, for me, it's like, when am I, when am I going to click in and be like, ah, gratitude. Now I can, like, now it feels good. Well, I think that's, <laughs> I don't know, I think that's doing a disservice to, like, waiting for, like, a click, right? I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not, I don't know, it it's just, like, like it's, that. Too, it's not as binary, right? I know, I know. It's always going to be, like, it's just, like, these gradual things. It's, like, the erosion of the Grand Canyon. It's, like, over time, you go back, like, holy fuck, there's a canyon here now. I know, but I want it to happen while I'm still cute. Well, sure. <laughs> I want it to happen now. Yeah, I don't course. want it to be gradual. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, can you see where you've... Where you are now from where you were when you started therapy at 25? Can you see, like, the progress that you made in that period? Yeah. I, can, I think I, yeah, I definitely, oh, for sure. And to ask my friends and the people who've stuck with me and known me for that time and are close to me, or if you maybe ask my brothers or my dad or my family, I would think that, I would hope they would say, like, yeah, for sure. There's right. been progress. Like, I think the thing I talk about and work on in therapy is Barbara's always like be kind be kind like that's the word and and she's saying it for me to to be to myself as much to other people because of like there's all that survivor's guilt and blah blah but um that to me is like been the most effective therapy is like kindness yeah yeah I feel like whenever I want to get angry or I feel like this isn't fair all these primal feelings of abandonment or that's not fair or somebody's doing something to hurt me. Uh, if I can just practice, like just be kind, then there's a reason for their behavior. It has nothing to do with me. Or it's try not to get angry about it and be cool. Be like someone you'd want to hang out with Yeah. if you fucked up. 
Like, yeah. be the, like, react the way you would want somebody to react to you if you fucked up and didn't fuck up on purpose. Well, I think it, it, it has helped me uh, a lot of times just to recognize that, by and large, I think everybody's doing the best they can. Or they're always trying to do I the best disagree. They can. I think most people aren't doing the best they can. I will yeah. tell you that I don't even think I'm doing the best I can. I'm definitely not. Well, I'm okay. like a lazy loser. Are you really doing the best you can? Uh, I've had the same I've had the same argument almost like verbatim like a year ago with my ex uh-huh. and I took your stance. That like, no, I'm not doing the best I can. I, there's so many more things that I could be better. I could be, like, I do, like, certain things in charity, but I could help out more. I could be hands-on as opposed to just, like, here's some, yeah. you know, like, all the things I could be doing. 100%. But it's also, like, it is it is fluid, and I'm trying to be kind. And I'm trying to, like, learn from my mistakes. And it's not going to be, like, so much of a click, like we talked about. Like, there's, I could be instantly, like, a much better person. I could be much more altruistic. Yeah. But I also, I don't know. I, but I also know that, like, my intentions are always good. Intentions are bullshit. Yeah. Sorry. No, I don't think so, though. I do. I don't think so, in, intrinsically. I think, like, I, I, I guess, I could, could I be a better person? Sure. Am I trying to get there? 100%. See, it's such a luxurious question, too. Even as we're talking about it, I'm well, like, a better person. Like, what does it even mean? Like, even, like, the self-reflection to talk about it is just, like, we are like literally not working on a Sunday <laughs> so that we can yeah. have this conversation. And I feel like the people who are like, I just read this article today about these like workers in like See, Las read. Vegas casinos who go and like, they have to like change out a room in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And they, it's a grandmother from El Salvador and she like takes her kids to school and makes their, uh, you know, all their meals and her husband just got deported and now she like goes and cleans hotel rooms and I'm like sitting and talking on a podcast about what it means to be a better person. And I don't know if this woman has the time to go, am I a good person or not? She's just literally being a good yeah. person. Well, is she, I mean, look, she's, yes, she is like, yeah, she's taking care of her family. She's and taking she's care like of her family. 100%. Working her ass off when she should be retired. For sure. All those so things are 100%. She's, I mean, everything, she's definitely not navel-gazed. She's not... So, no. in a way, like, sometimes I think, and this is me being, like, super harsh and stoic, but I'm like, these kinds of discussions, or even on my sad days, I'm like, oh, you have no... It's too... You, your life is actually too easy, because you you have the time to be sad. For sure. And if you were just, like, working hard, work will make it so that you're not sad. And I just want to tell all the listeners... That's the answer. It's just like being so busy that you can't be sad. And not like a workaholic, but like getting into a... Like taking care of something other than yourself. And that's also why I want kids. It's because finally, I won't have the time to worry about me. I'll finally have to worry about someone else. That could be freeing and into itself, right? Yeah. Like, oh no, I think I'm getting those like lines around those nasolabial oh, you, you don't have time to give a shit about that. Folds. You're like, look, I'm like, like, you have that thought instantaneously. like, well, now i got to change a diaper. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't ever want to think about... <laughs> After this podcast, I never want to think about myself again. <laughs> I don't want to talk about myself. I don't want to think about myself. Well, you know, I think you're, I think you're 100% right. There is like, this is... All this is so luxurious. Everything yeah. we do is fucking luxurious. Um, but also, I think there is merit to navel-gazing at time. Like, there's a point where there's diminishing returns, but to, like, understand yourself and to be able to move forward, uh, to 
be better? Because like the goal is not to only have to work nonstop so you can provide for your family and always getting over heartache. That's not the ideal. It doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know. Well, I'm, sure, no. I'm sure you can lean into no. more heartache. You can yeah, definitely no. create that for yourself. Um, I'm good. I've I'm, I've reached capacity. I don't yeah. want it. I don't want that anymore. But I also have they done studies. I'm always curious about this too. Like, have they done studies? Like, what what is the evolutionary um, purpose of heartache? Like, how does it help us? Like, why do we get so sad when, like, our partner leaves or, like, one of our young dies? Like, I know other animals, like, feel grief. Like, elephants feel grief. And, like, I don't know. There was, like, this penguin video and they were, like, fighting over their wife. Their penguin wife. It's really their mate. But they anthropomorphized it. Sure. But, But, like, do they feel heartache or is it just that that's just a primal survival drive that makes them feel that loss? Like, we've got to protect our young or I've got to protect my ability to make more penguins. But, like, for humans, like, why do we, like, feel like we're going to die if somebody leaves us or if a parent dies a natural death, which is not a tragedy. It sucks, but it's part of nature. Yeah. Or, like... Yeah, I don't know. What's the point of heartache? Like, what? It actually feel like it. It makes your hair fall out. Like, it's not good evolutionarily. It makes guess, you not want to have sex. Well, that's and true. then so you're not making babies for the like. I don't know the point of. I think heartache. it's what's it's. <laughs> I think the inverse is like survival. It's like people avoid that. It's like a safeguard. It's like uh, evolutionary. Like when you touch something hot and you burn yourself, and you're like, oh, let's not do that again. It's like okay, you lost something that's important to you. You're feeling these feelings, so let's try to not have that happen again. So protect your young. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're going to want to kill yourself. I think that's the bottom line. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think that's a good question. I don't think there, I don't even, know the answer to it. But in terms of, like, like, heartache, like, romantically, I still don't get it. Because, like, we're not built to be monogamous. So, like, why would the no. loss of a partner, like, make you want to die? You should just be like, oh. Moving like, on. Like, caveman me, no fuck, no, that person, me fuck, new person. I like this caveman me. Yeah. Caveman me, like, pick, pick me up, dust myself off. This is the worst. No, I like your caveman. caveman voice. Yeah. Caveman me, like, uh-huh. just move on. Caveman me. Caveman like, you also speaks like Richard Lewis. Like, there's a lot of gesticulating. Because caveman me is definitely Jewish. Mm-hmm. I'm like the first Jewish caveman. Yeah. Um... Caveman me charging rent for me cave a little caveman, bit caveman more. Caveman me was also like like Tonto from like the forties version of Lone Ranger. Okay, so now it is racist. Yeah. I didn't, but it's just caveman. No, it's fine. It's caveman's fine. Um, no, but like, yeah, like why? Why would I like pine? I should just be like. Some people don't, don't. There's like you know those like badass people that are like, well, fuck that person. Now I'll just fuck that you know fuck that person for not liking me. If they don't like me, I don't like them. Boop boop boop. Here we go. New per- you know. I don't trust that though. I mean, I like maybe that's nicer for them, but I like think it's, I think it sounds good. Maybe it is, but I never like whenever like I uh, start dating somebody and they like have said that they're like n- not friends with any of their exes or not have no communications and it's always like, well they fucked up. They did this. They did. It's like. That feels like it's not like you're not you're not looking at yourself in a healthy way, and you're just cutting people out of your lives, and that's doesn't feel like the most evolved reaction to. Uh, yeah, but I also am suspicious of people who are like friends with all their exes. See, that's me. 
Because I'm just like, let it go. Don't You don't have to keep, like, burning well, yourself. I, well, <laughs> I, I think there's merit to that because, like, all of my exes, I mean, I wasn't always friends with them. And I'm not friends with all of them. Like, some I'm just friendly with. If I see, like, hey, how are you? But it's not like we're buddies. Uh-huh. Um, but I think there's a period. I don't know, to me, it feels like, um, this is, like, a total tangent, but, like, if I was with somebody for a period of time, like, that person was important to me for a period of time. And they were, like, a, you know, whatever you want to describe it, like, they were a friend or a best friend for a period of time. And, yeah, no, that's a cheese ball way of no, looking at it. No, I just, I have a joke about this. If you're friends with an ex, the sex was bad. Maybe. Like, it was just, like, bad oh, enough man. that you're like, yeah, I guess we were more friends. Okay, that's fine. Shit, I need to but if, like, if, you could, if it's, like, burnt bridges, it's like, oh, man, I guess that was, that was pretty good sucks. <laughs> you're never talking again. Okay. All right. But if you're like, hey, what's up? Cool. Great to see you. You're like, it wasn't great sucks. You're fine. Maybe. I think that's... Maybe now you're just rocking my core. Like, I think mine's bad at sex. Fuck. Well, <laughs> maybe that's what happened. Well, you just might be dating people that are just more in the friend zone. I'm not. Well, I, I have no prescription for you. That's great. I appreciate that. Um, no, I think that by, like it's not always. This is totally off topic, but it, there's been periods where like I haven't been friends with them, and then you come back and like after time, like oh yeah, you're a nice person. You were like uh, you're important in my life for a while, and like we can be friends. I would love that. I nah. I that's just... not your. That's not your jam. No, it's always just like a well, that's real. That's what makes things interesting. Real, We're all different people. It's a real crash and burn. For yeah. Me. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just. Well. I had an ex, who, um, walked into a bar. I was in a bar. I had already moved to LA, but I was back in New York, and he walked into the bar with his new girlfriend and made made eye contact with me. And they both just like on their heel, like just turned around and walked out. Oh wow. With like not not a like just a a look a, a, not just even like acknowledgement just cartoonishly like and boop yeah. out like did that feel good you're like yeah or does that feel awful I was so devastated really I but was, that's like what you're saying what you want kind of I don't want that okay I, I no there's a middle ground between friends uh-huh. and like let's get brunch and like we're texting and like. Hey, cool. How are you? Well, cool. Good to see you. Good. Bye. Yeah, just and be just, an amiable person. Yeah. Yeah. This was like, oh, he hates me. He hates yeah. me. Yeah. And then, and then you're like, do the, well, why? And well, then you're like, because I was an asshole. Okay. And then you're like, well, why, why was I an asshole? Yeah. And then it comes back to me, mom. No, you're. Like, yeah. And then you're like, I can't act like an asshole anymore. Well, let me ask you to get back to what we're talking yeah. about. Do you think? Are you? Um, fearful of losing people? Is that a thing? Well, I mean, yeah, not just well, not just like actually physically from Earth, but just like people that are close to you. Oh, I would say probably the way that I. My baseline, like, my operating system Mm -hmm. is abject fear of loss. Absolutely. Like, it is just total fear of abandonment. And so I have to, like, override the system with, like, rationale. Right. And, like, useful therapy, not dumb therapy. And, you know, a kind of literal practice. But, yeah, I would say 
everything is my operating sphere of a bit. Yeah, fear of right. loss. So then, where do you think? Where is the inverse of that? Where like when you end a relationship, it's like okay, we're done. You, I've, I I've lost you. I don't now. end them. Oh, you don't even end them. when they're bad. You force them to do it. Kind of. Okay. They just eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I'm not the dumper. You've never once dumped. Uh, as I've gotten healthier, okay. I but I wouldn't call them like relationships. Like, uh, I think the only time. I mean, I broke up with one boyfriend by cheating on him, and then I was like, "We have to break up." I like told him immediately. I was like, "But I that was." But a that's forced... also you forced yourself into a corner, right? Yeah, and also, I only ended it because I had gotten involved with somebody else who I was like very so you interested felt, you felt in security there. Somehow. Yes, yeah. yeah, I was. I didn't end it to be alone. I right. ended it to jump like yeah. to a new like toxic lily pad. Well, that's another question. Do you feel like because of? The, the roadmap that was created for you when you were young, do you feel like you need security in, in relationships? Do you find you do that now? Oh, yeah. You know? I, oh, my God. Like, well, so what happened was, like, as I got... So I had a relationship end that was, like, pretty toxic and tough, and, and then I moved to L.A., and I was terrified of dating for, like, a full year. I, the fallout from that relationship was just me taking a really hard look at what I had done inside of it and what I had tolerated tolerated inside of it and just how both of us had treated each other and how why I stayed so long in it and um and outside of after that ended I was like I was so devastated by how long I had been in it and how I felt in it and and I wouldn't date I I got to LA and it's like fun to be the new girl in a city and it just wasn't I was just like no I'm not interested in guys or interested in dating I oh but no but I was like like painfully lonely mm-hmm. so like I, I didn't have the outlet of like well let me just like find a boyfriend and like date and, and meet guys which is like what you might do in a new city is like let me just like meet yeah. some guys I was like I don't feel like I'm like a safe person for people to date because yeah. I just needed to get my head together and but I did date one guy when I'm like two or three dates with this one guy that winter and he was like instantly very into me mm. which t- terrified me I was sure. like I'm used to chasing and pining and yeah. you like me and and that one I handled really well I like went on three dates I did not have sex with him I like kept it very you know let's really get to know each other and then I finally was like you know I've really enjoyed getting to know you but I, I don't feel the connection and I'm gonna pass that's very healthy and I was just like Cool. And then I didn't date for like months and months and months. And I like would go on a yeah. first date or a second date, but I was not like dating. Right. Um, and I was like very reluctant. And then I didn't really have like a relationship, I guess, until like June, until almost a year after mm-hmm. I'd moved. And I like dated for somebody for three months and it was like, we were never going to be in love and it was just like pleasant and then it ended at the three month mark, which is like the time that a relationship yeah. we're not moving forward. We had a summer fling cool okay well we're not gonna bye you know and then that was great do you feel like that period when you were alone because you clearly had the wherewithal to like recognize like i need this in some capacity do you feel like that helped you i would say no because even no it's just really hindsight you never you're not really that like astute in the moment no I, i i would love to be i definitely wasn't i was suffering and i would like reach out to i did reach out to like one ex who like I, you know, would go in and out of being like, I'm really in love with him. I really do think this time I can, like, make it work. And, like, it just was 
very painful for him and for me because I was very lonely and felt very connected to him, but it just was never going to be in a relationship with him that worked. Um, so th- I was doing that every now and then, and that was like pretty fucked up. And but mostly I was just really lonely and hoping that I would meet someone to make the lonely feelings go away. But then what happens is you make the lonely feelings go away, and then you become irresistible. Which is what. Oh, well, that's nice. Eventually, that's a good thing to know. what you do is like you stop calling it feeling lonely, and you just start to enjoy your solo time. And you like what for me because the fear of loss and the fear of abandonment and the fear of being alone. That time it made me feel like I was actually getting through it. Like I was mm-hmm. like not to pat myself on the back, but I had never gone that long without a relationship. Right. And so what I learned was I was like, it's really actually quite delightful to not be engaging with anybody on any, on any level. Like when I would go home after work, there was a kind of like, oh my God, but I don't have anybody to eat dinner with. Mm-hmm. And it's LA, it's extra lonely. Like I don't want to go out to a restaurant in LA by me. Like I occasionally, but I, I don't want to do that. I, I wanted to be like alone and relaxed, but with like my partner, but I don't have that. I... But then eventually you're like, no, I'm just going to cook myself a meal, yeah. whatever I feel like eating. I'm not going to yell at anybody about the way they do the dishes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch whatever I want to watch. I'm going to read what I want to read. I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to have to hold in a fart. Like, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And um, and even for myself, because I love myself so much, I did hold in the fart. That's I'm cute. Always, that's like, good. I'm like, treat myself like really yeah, good. Yeah, that's nice. Just hold them all for when you're sleeping. Because <laughs> like, I'm romantic with myself. That's cute. I'm like, girl, you deserve this. (laughs) You deserve not to smell your car. Well, that's good. I mean, I found like in times where I have for sure been, uh, I mean, currently like mourning or whatever, uh, that I've turned to relationships as a distraction, as a means to just stop feeling bad. Right. Oh, This is something that like, it's not the exact same thing by any means, but it's a means of keeping busy. If you're keeping busy, yeah. it's not like, you know, I'm not providing for my family in El Salvador, but I'm just like, I'm just trying to keep busy. So the feelings, I don't have time to think about the bad things. Well, here's the other thing that I learned and am currently learning in my present relationship. You can't, because it's very easy when you have a partner and something that I used to do and was sort of my expectation was, please make me feel better. Sure. I feel bad today. Can you do the work of making me feel better that I don't feel like doing for myself? Right. And that's actually like pretty unfair to the partner because they're do- going through their own shit. And every once in a while, that's fine. That can be like, hey, could you not make me feel better? But could you be can soft you pro- with can me? Can you prop me up? Can you give me a compliment? Can you just take me out to dinner? Could you just like rub my back? Can we watch the movie I want to watch? But the actual work of being like, I don't feel good emotionally or confidence. It's really not their job. And it's a burden. And I, and I kind of believe that because, and what has actually kind of like helped me is that what a, a kind of healthy relationship is your partner inspires you to not stay an Eeyore because Nobody wants to be around an Eeyore. No. So rather than be like, I'm safe with this person. I get to be an Eeyore. I can just be like, oh, neg- oh, come on. Make me feel better. Instead, I'm like, I really love this person. <laughs> and I, 
it's not fun for them to be around like somebody who's feeling really dumpy. So I have to figure out ways that I can like make myself feel really good for me so that I can, when I'm around them, be this like happy, healthy, good person who has something to offer the relationship. I think that's the baseline of every great relationship is somebody who inspires you to be and want to be better. I didn't know that. It took me so long. Like, I feel so bad for so many exes. I feel bad for them. I, I didn't know. I, like, I was doing it really fucked up. And it was really unfair. Mm-hmm. And, like, and it was all because, like, in my defense, it was all because of, like, sadness and trauma. And, like, I didn't know. I didn't have, like, a learned healthy behavior. I didn't see, like, bad models, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. Like, when I, and now I know. And you still, it's, like, two steps forward, one step back. You still are, like, ah, oh, sometimes you feel really lazy. So back to, like, are you doing the best you can? Some days you're just not. Some days you're like, you take care of my fucking emotional health for me. Right. That's like so sick. That's so sick. It's fucked up. It's sick. Don't ever ask somebody to do that. <laughs> well, it sounds like, even though it's much more complex than that, it sounds like something has clicked in for you. A little bit. Yeah. But I'm still... Well, good. well you Just know because what it you is. have an understanding well, doesn't mean that I everything think, goes away. And I don't know how, what will happen with this relationship and, uh, you know, but it is... The, it is the healthiest one that I've been in that makes me want to be a better person and go, hey, like, this person's, like, really on your side, and if they're going to call you out or you're doing something, like, they have your best interest in heart. Like, he really, I feel like, loves me enough to say, like, I don't like this behavior. Maybe it's not the best for you. And instead of all the defenses kicking in and being like, well, fuck you. That's not fair. I'm just like, oh, I guess I should kind of look into that. Mm-hmm not be such a drag it sounds like you are without knowing you well at all it sounds like you're really growing right now yeah I know that's cathartic <laughs> that's good I know and the fact yeah. that you're also rec- you're cognizant of that it's just funny too because I'm just like I see you giving me kudos and I hear you giving me kudos and I'm like don't give me kudos like it's okay like there's, a, I mean, we're in like the kudo business. Of well, like, yeah. that's why we every, all came here. Yeah, we all want like yeah. endless kudos, and it's like validation, mm-hmm. and 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 it's changing my relationship to this work that I do because I and Twitter and social media, and it's like everything's for kudos and likes and validation, and I and I and transparently, I'm like, it feels yucky. Sure. Like even you patting me on the back for like my growth, I'm like, that's okay. I'm a grown up. Yeah. You don't have to do that. I'll give myself pats on the back. But will you, though? Yeah. Okay. I, it's my job. That is my job. Right. It's my job to esteem myself. For sure. <laughs> but sometimes it's nice to have things reflected back to you. Because sure, sometimes but, you can't see the force. Sure, the but sometimes things reflected back to you is going to be a criticism that's not fair. Somebody's going to give you a bad review. Or somebody's going to say, you look like a moose, which somebody said about me on the internet. They said, that's you cute. look like a moose. And you know what? It was up to me to find the hottest picture I could of a uh-huh. moose. And go, you know what? I think moose are hot. I've seen some good-looking good looking moose out there. Moose are hot. So yeah. thank you, internet stranger, because yeah. I esteem myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yes. I mean, you're always going to have to... That, but that's that's what you're talking about, like being codependent. You can't rely on anybody else for everything. It always has to come within you. You actually... It's time for me to get a new therapist, and I, oh, and I will. Okay. But she has some good things that she says. I've just been with her too long. And one of them is we are all alone. We are always alone. 
<laughs> and I, that sounds really depressing. And to somebody who was codependent by birth because is a twin mm-hmm. and somebody who like lost, you know, my twin and d- does operate based on like, I want a partner. Uh, it's very, I've started to believe her and I'm getting really comfortable with it. Like mm-hmm. we're alone. Your reality is totally for you. And whether you do something really good or do something really bad, most people don't really care that much. Yeah. And in the end, like, even if you have six kids, no kids, like, what, like, you don't need the validation of the family or the no family to be like, I had a cool life or not, I, I guess. Like, what she's saying is, like, it's, it's, your life is not in the hands of somebody else to define, to define, like, right. you you know, you're alone. Whether you stay married forever, whether you ever get married, whether you lose your spouse, whether you're divorced, whether you're cheated on, none of that external stuff is your reality. None of, like, your wife realizing that she was gay and then the end of that relationship had nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. So, like, you stay solo in that. Like, and it's weird, that, but it's, like, very liberating. For sure. It's, but it's like everything else we're talking about. It's like one thing to understand it pragmatically, another thing to actually feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely... I, I don't even know what I was just talking about for most of this time. I don't, I don't know what I was talking about. I am in like a fugue state. I am, I truly hate just, talking about myself. You blacked out, you blacked out 45 minutes ago. Well, Todd was like, oh, you're going to love this. It's so great. Steve's like very, um, he's very sensitive and it's going to be great. And I was like, I don't like talking about myself this way. I was like, I'm like a performer and a comedian. And I hate talking about myself. And I'm like an actress who likes to be on camera. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I hate getting my picture taken. I hate it. Like, just a walking contradiction in general. I just, I, it's weird. As she said into the microphone, I'm secretly very shy. Uh-huh. But I, there is a shine. I'm very, like, I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't have any authority. It's why I had that tick early on where I was going, just kidding, just kidding. Because right. I'm like, please don't. I need to show you what I'm really thinking. Or uh, it's a nervous tick of like, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not being, I, this isn't, please don't um, finish a sentence. But like, uh, yeah, I, um, I'm uncomfortable speaking with authority even though you can hear authority in my voice. <laughs> well, I think, I, I, think, I think the base of what you're saying, if, if, if this is what I'm inferring, is that like, uh, this is what I've found to be true of myself in this moment. And other than that, I don't know. Why do people want to relate to other people? Why is that like a good thing? Like I related to it. That movie was good. That script was good because I totally related. Well, I think I think it's because getting back to your point of like we're all alone. That's a pretty ominous uh, thing to digest. And the fact that we feel alone when we see something else of ourselves reflected in other people, you feel less less of that. And I think that's okay. what you're searching for. You're looking for like, oh, I had this experience of loss, or I met somebody in a bar and it, and then we had sex in a car, and like it just there's there's. Yeah. Okay. You know, I think you're right because I've I didn't understand what it was like to lose a parent until mm-hmm. I did, 
And now when I meet people who've lost a parent, I do feel a kind of kinship with them. There is something. It is sort of like the dead parent club. There is a thing where they are, you, you can, there's a, there's a little, there's like a shared lexicon that's not even spoken somehow. Yeah. I just, I feel a little softer towards them Yeah, where I'm sort of like, Ooh, you, Oh, you've had that growth spurt. Yeah. You losing a parent is sort of like this emotional growth spurt of like, whether you're full orphan or half an orphan, but you're like, Oh, now I'm, I don't have that. For some people, if they had a parent that gave unconditional love, now I don't have that thing. It's a little untethering. Yeah. So yeah, so maybe you're right about the connection thing. I think there's, there's, I mean, that's what I found from just doing this in general, is that people reached out and be like, this made me feel less alone in this one instance. And they feel, do that? Yeah, get a, it's some, it's a lot. You get it's kudos? nice. That's nice. It's, I get pat on the back. <laughs> that's what I'm in it for. In for the does. Um, no, but I think that's like, I know when I was going through uh, this period with my ex-wife while, while I was in it it was just like doing like a lot of searching my ex Lauren was she could find a lot of outlets for her so you can find like a lot of women who had talked about like being in relationships and like realizing later in life that they are that they are into women and there was a lot of outlets for that there was a lot of people talking about that and she would share that with me and some and somehow that was kind of helpful but it was always but i couldn't find my experience okay really uh shared as much and i think because it was I, I don't know why i don't know if it's just because it's something that people didn't want to talk about as right. much or if i just maybe there was a wellspring of it somewhere and i just didn't find it but it just felt like my experience is not being reflected and it felt mm. like very isolating because like i think for her finding all these other people talking about their experience was like it was like a sigh of relief right. of like, okay. okay, I'm not crazy. Whatever's happening here is like, while it feels like demoralizing and like the, you know, earth has fallen out from beneath me, other people have been through it and they've gotten through it. And I didn't find that as much. And it just felt like even more isolating and already kind of like isolating experience. So now with this, have you found like so many people who are like, or like, no. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Not, not in that so oh, much. Oh, oh. Um, but I, I, but I have like had like, it's interesting. Most of the people that reach out to me, I don't know, maybe just because it's the broadest stereotypical way or more uh, in tune with their emotions, but it's usually women who reach out to me. And it's it's been a lot of women, like, I'm going through a divorce or I'm going through a rough time or I've realized late in life. And I don't know, I think that's why, how people found me because she's more notable in the, mm-hmm. in the gay community. I don't know why exactly, but I mean, I know why, but I don't know how they found me through that talking in circles no it's but, great no you had like a instant like you're like i have all these followers now yeah it's very exciting thank you more gratification um but yeah all that is to say i think that's why we look for uh shared experience is to feel less of what Wait, you're talking about so alone now i'm very curious so your wife discovers she's gay the relationship how long have you been married We've been together at that point for like seven years, and we had married for eight months. And then, well, eight months when the first first inkling, and then we stayed together for another year trying to figure it out. So, so we were married you, all together for two years. So when you date, can mm-hmm. I? This is very personal. Sure. Do I mean, you, come on, I'm asking you all about are this. You, shit. Are you? Are um, you? Do you have like a twin? Are you on like alert of like, is this girl gay? No. You're never like. You're not worried about like. Oh. No, is but she I, gonna discover later, and like I'm gonna feel. Like, is that, like, a fear for you now it's, that you didn't have that now you do have? No. 
Not, not yeah. so much. I think the fear of remorse or anything is like finding somebody that like I just fucking mesh with as well. Right, okay. And then like am I setting, am I doing a disservice to like not allow somebody to affect me differently and they like I'm trying to like fit them into a mold mm. of happiness that I already had. So like that's something that I just have to figure out over time and like let go of like what my pre uh, preconceived notions of a relationship should be a successful one should be and I have to let that go and allow other people to in in other ways. Yeah. Uh, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, going through losing a a, 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 a sibling, because I'm an only child, so I don't fully understand that experience in general. Um, do you have advice for anybody to like get over this level of loss? Oh, I don't mean to laugh, but like. <laughs> Uh, I ask this because it's only it's only like unifying question I ask in all of oh, these things. Oh, advice for I would love advice for myself. Yeah. You know, well, or what I have you do learned? know. Well, um, well, you know, I've gone on websites for many years about twin loss, mm-hmm. um, and there's there's not that much out there, but there's a couple of. Uh, like twin loss like member like uh, things and they have events and like they would have them in like Colorado or they would have like meetups for like twinless twins it's mm-hmm. like the twinless twin society I don't know if it's called a society but it's and a I, cute name and for I've, a terrible I know, thing twinless twins um, <laughs> and I would go and I like you know every year I'm like should I go to one of these events and mm-hmm. talk to other twinless twins and find out and um, I never have. I'm way too much of a pussy. I am a twin, and I think twins are weird. Mm-hmm. I am jealous of other twins, and I'm also I'm constantly like, what kind of twins would we have been? Right. Like, would have, we would have been like cool twins? Like, would I never have felt loneliness because I always had my twin? Would it like would I've been way more kick ass with guys because like I already had my twins? So, like, I wouldn't need them to like fill the like, you know, the partnership, you know the missing piece in me and I could have just had a better head on my shoulders would we like would we have fought mm-hmm. would we have looked alike would I have been jealous of her would she you know like all this stuff and so sometimes I'm curious like should I go and I and I don't and I'm a pussy but so what I would my advice to be for people who have lost a twin or lost a sibling is I do think these grief groups that are specific to the loss are probably immensely helpful. Mm. I think like they exist for a reason, which is that form of connection with something so specific. And I think that talking to other people who've been through uh, the kind of loss or trauma that you've been through can be very, very helpful. I mean, just looking at the way women were tweeting about their sexual assaults and feeling like, like I could, even if, I mean, I haven't, thank God, but even if I had, I don't know that I would have tweeted and been sure. part of that community. Like, I'm just too much, like, I, I can't participate because <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm a coward, but, <laughs> but mm. uh, I do think for people, like, probably, like, a grief support group for, like, people who've lost a sibling is, I can't imagine, at the very least, this is my curiosity, Gene, it's like, you could meet a bunch of weirdos and it yeah. would be funny and it would be a story to talk about, like, 
And that I should, that's advice I should take for myself. Like, for you should sure. go to the Twinless Twin convention and meet a bunch of Twinless Twins. And see what it's like. Maybe you won't like it at all, but at least you'll have Do you know it. what I'm worried about? What's I'll, that? like, fall in love with a Twinless Twin, and then we'll be, like, weird parents. Well, <laughs> I'm like, you're going to go there, and you're going to meet, like, Gary, the weird Twinless Twin. You're and You're, gonna, you're, you're gonna never going to end up with a Gary. You're going to fall in love with Gary, Megan. You are twin. <laughs> like, now you're my twin. And then I'm like, I don't want that. I'm never going to the convention. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you're fighting a lot of battles before you're creating a lot of a lot of obstacles in your mind. Um, but I, it's probably helpful. I don't what any what else is helpful? I don't know. Like um, I think therapy can be helpful if you get a good therapist. I would say don't stay in it as long as I have. Take some breaks. Yeah. Make sure your insurance covers it. I've always paid out of pocket, yeah. and that's. I, I have to. My guy's great, and he's not. He's, he's My great. girl's not that great, but it keeps me working just no. to afford therapy. Um, advice. Don't go on a podcast about it. Uh, no, that's, is that, that, that is good advice, huh? Stop saying just kidding. He texted it too. <laughs> he got you on all, all basis. Um, it's cute. It's very cute. Uh, Oh, do people give good advice on this podcast? I think that's great advice. Oh. I think that, I mean, it's interesting, you know, how I think any advice that I tend to give is, like you, advice that I've probably never not done. And only in hindsight, like, oh, that would have been better had I done that. Yeah. I also think there's... um I think that's a healthy way of looking at things the way you're like I should go to this thing because at the very least it's like an adventure it's a story right Yeah. and like that's when that was one, a, a really helpful thing that my therapist said to me when I was about to have my colon removed because I was going to have it was like a two step <coughs> operation it ended up being like three or four steps because there was complications but it was like the first time remove it and then I had like an ostomy bag for like three and a half months oh my god yeah 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 super fun wow and that was like there was a there was a part like if this doesn't if the operation doesn't go well that could just be my new reality and that was like a terrifying thing so like a young man I was 30 um but then my therapist at the time said like what if you reframe this and like think of this as like this is another adventure that you get to have that most people don't get to have and it was like maybe I don't know reaching it's like grasping at straws but that in a certain way it was like yeah okay this is like another the thing that like I get to experience and hopefully it's only short term um, and if I don't know if it helped all the time but just in that moment I'm like okay this is another adventure you didn't have to feel bad for you they'll reframing it so that you don't feel only bad about it yeah or just only fear about it that there's like a yeah. little bit of like alright well this will at the very least it's another it's a, it's a story I will say this uh, I don't know if everybody's done this and this could be any kind of grief or trauma. And maybe it's only because I'm like, this is definitely like a kooky thing to do. But mm-hmm. sometimes if you're feeling really, really sad and you're like crying, crying, crying hysterically sure. or you're just feeling so bad, a really funny thing to do is to film yourself really? crying. Because what does that do it's for you? so funny. Okay. It's so hard to take yourself seriously in the throes of sobbing grief when you see what you look like and sound like. You look like a disaster. That it almost gets you out of it. Um, I 
had a time where um, if I would cry during PMS or something, because uh-huh. my PMS can get really, really bad, and I feel like so sad. Yeah. And it's such real sadness. Like it is the sadness of planet Earth, <laughs> and every living creature in it, and all the grief in the world. And there were a couple of times where I taped myself just crying, and the look on my face and what I'm crying about, you're like, that is hilarious. That's just the bird's eye perspective. Like, oh man, that it is. I don't know. It is so hilarious that it kind of. I would advise people. I think that's fascinating. To try Great. taping yourself crying when you're crying. It's hard to take yourself seriously when you see what you Literally actually look like. Literally, get your cameras uh-huh. and the selfie facing record. And watch yourself cry for a second and then be like, I'm done crying. I'm, I'm done for now. That's funny. Okay. Let's, <laughs> yeah. That's maybe some of the best advice I've ever heard. Yeah. Try it. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, you just look so dumb. You and always then, look so dumb. And then you get to, and then you get to be like, oh, I'm dumb. I'm a dummy. Yeah. Okay. My problems are fine. I'll yeah. make it through this because yeah. I'm a dumb dumb. Yeah. Or you just, at least you get to go like, it is all a joke. Yeah. It is. It's just a funny, it, it's a funny joke it's yeah. just a joke all of it yeah some jokes are very dark mm-hmm. some jokes are like some of the fucking darkest joke extended <laughs> holocaust six million lives later mm-hmm. very dark but in the annals of planet earth that's a blip of a joke sure. and not that devastating compared to other so it's just it's like yeah and some jokes are just somebody falling down and they're okay. And they're okay. And that's great. <laughs> you get to laugh yeah. a lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. I just made your podcast so beautiful. <laughs> you really did. It's really, man, <laughs> this is a real how-to. Uh, oh, no, I don't know. But yeah. Uh, thank you. Thanks for... It was really nice having you on. Oh, good. Just kidding. Oh. No, it was. Thank you so much. No, it was... It was delightful. Okay. Yay. I see evidence of you and him. Well, there you go. That's another one for the annals. Not the annals. The annals. That is another episode of Terribly Funny. Um, Thank you so much to Megan for being uh, so open and vulnerable and just lovely uh, with us. And thank you for inviting us to your boyfriend's apartment to uh, record said podcast. It was great. Even though it smelled like candles and fish, I had a great time. Um, If you want to see what else is going on with Megan, and you should because she's wonderful, you can check her out on Twitter. Her handle is at Megan Nuringer. Uh, it's just her name, so that's fun. Um, you can find it easily, but if you need spelling, the last name is N-E-U-R-I-N-G-E-R. There you go. Have at it. If you also want to check out what's going on with us, uh, our, our Twitter is at Terribly underscore funny. Um, also, if you like the show, tell your friends. Also, go to our iTunes page. Leave us a remark. Write us a review. We'd love to hear that shit. Also, on a personal note, I'm a lonely person, so if you want to get in touch and say things that you like about the show, that you liked Megan, that you think it's really wonderful, or if you just don't like it, or if you're just bored, you can drop us a line, an email, an electronic message at terriblyfunnypodcast at gmail. Um, and that's it, gang. Other than to say thank you to Hayden Fongheiser for doing all the things behind the scenes, also to Julia Pot and King Flying Club for doing the art and music. And, um, yeah, you know... You don't always know, at least I don't always know what I'm going to get when I when I go into these conversations. And more often than not, I find that I learn a lot from them. And I really enjoy them. And um, it's, it's, I, hope you're, I hope you're getting the same. I hope you're getting as much out of it as I am. 
Uh, and thank you just so much for listening. You guys uh, make this all worthwhile. So, that's all. I'm a gooey sap. Hope you have a great week. I'll finish this with a fart noise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>